Standby to launch FanStream Sports. Three, two, one. Let's start. Hello, sports fans. Welcome to FanStream Sports. Nothing, nothing but pure sports. This is the JP Show. JP, it is so good to hear you back on the air. Stand by. Now, here's JP. All right, welcome in to the Hump Day edition of JP Peterson Show here. Well, we didn't get out to Bucks Camp yesterday, but uh, we won't be out there today. We'll be out there tomorrow. But we got all of our eyes and ears out there. We know what's going on, but I just want to see it with my own eyes tomorrow. Good morning to all of you. Good morning to you, Nick Ennis from On3 Sports. How you doing this morning? I'm battling today. I know you are. You got you got the uh, the allergies. Oh my! I was telling you, I'm like, when is winter's allergy season? <laughs> I just feel like I feel pale right now. <laughs> the head's ringing a little bit. It's like one of those things. Where, like my ears feel un- look- like super clogged, and then when I blow my nose, like I feel everything just come out. You look like Snoop Dogg ready to go on stage, man. You are like your eyes are barely open. Ugh. You look like you've been smoking weed all morning long. You don't have allergies. <laughs> <laughs> you should know that's really funny. Have you? You've probably never smoked weed in your life, have you? No comment. <laughs> Come on now, my wife listens to this show, especially in the beginning. <laughs> that's too funny. Oh my god! All right, let's don't get off the tracks too early in the morning. We got lots of buck sound to get to. Lots of things going on. In uh, training camp yesterday, yes, it's the middle of June and we're all about football, baby, here in Tampa Bay. That's right. Because now you know what you know what now is, right? Mm. Moving forward towards August 1st, late end of July, it's all baseball season. No more hockey. No more basketball. Oh. Not even any more Padel to talk about. <laughs> we, it's just baseball. We got a gut punch. Two nights, oh. 24 hours, two sports ended. I know. Now, now uh, the OTAs will set, will be the end of any real football happenings as they're all going to be on break for like six weeks. It's it's sports talk summer. We'll be coming up with really stupid stuff to talk about over the next few, few weeks. But what, you know we're always going to keep it entertaining. You know we're always going to keep it entertaining. So we got uh, Rays to get to, another disappointing loss last night. The reason reason I'm laughing, um, I don't like to keep things cryptic here, you know, but my, uh, one of my old colleagues, uh, I was listening to T. Kraz yesterday, <laughs> feigning outrage over the Rays losing a game to the A's. Like, he was so mad. You can't let this happen. You cannot let this happen. How can you do this? You lose a game to the A's. <laughs> I don't like, it's baseball. It's baseball. That's kind of how it works. It's not a football game. It's not a football game where the favorite team, you know, if you drop to, if you lose a game to a 14-point underdog, it's the end of the world. It's freaking baseball. And the A's are just suddenly resurgent and hot. And last night's game was, the whole happenings was kind of interesting. The whole freaking reverse boycott. So they have 25,000 people show up and sell T-shirts. So I started doing a little digging on John Fisher, their owner. Oh, my God. I have to apologize to Stu Sternberg. He's the second worst owner in baseball. (laughs) He's just the second worst. But there is an absolute correlation to selfish, terrible ownership and not getting stadiums done. There's an absolute correlation to that. And, you know, the two cheapest owners in baseball are the two ones that can't get a stadium built. Everybody else can figure it out, but they're the only ones that can't. 
So it was an interesting atmosphere last night, I thought, uh, at, at, the, at uh, the, the Coliseum. With dog, there were dogs there, and, and just it, it was bananas. Certainly different than the night before. It was so bad that the A's pitcher, one of, one of, I can't remember his name, his pitch com, he couldn't even hear his pitch com. He's like, I'm not used to people actually being in the park. we got to adjust the volume on my pitch com. Oh, wait, you mean to tell me you can't remember, what was his name, Hogan Miller? Hogan did Miller. I, did I get it right? Hogan's Heroes. I, yes. have, to look, I have to look it up, actually. Hogan Miller. Yeah. <laughs> Is that his... forget Hogan Miller. You're, you're Hogan Miller. Hogan Miller. Hey, he pitched better than Max Scherzer did last night. <laughs> I guess that's, that's one Hogan thing. Harris. See, I already forgot the name. Hogan Harris. Harris, Miller, whatever. Joe uh, Schmo. Joe Schmo, whatever. Um, but it, the, the bats have gone silent suddenly for the Rays. They can't uh, – the power has been a little less than, than desired. It's all about, you know, when you, when you play somebody. Yeah. It really is. And the A's have run into the only hot streak they'll probably have all season. Mm-hmm. Give them credit. I mean, the yeah. guy they trotted out there yesterday, Fujinami, when they put his stat light across the board, I went 11 12 ERA in yeah. 21 outings. Yeah. I was like, this is the guy that we have to trot out here if you're an A's, if you're the A's right now. And how in the hell is anybody, how do you have that many appearances with an ERA like that? That's like, what doesn't make sense. And then team, I, that means your team just doesn't care. And then I see him and I'm like, wait a second, this guy throws 101? And he has an 11-12 ERA? Yeah. I'm like, none of this makes any sense right now. He probably doesn't. He probably walks a few people. I just, no, but that was, it was a great atmosphere, though, because I told you the night before it was just hard to get through. Deadsville. With, like, 4,000 people or whatever it was yeah. in there. And I was like, how many people are really going to get inside the stadium today? Yeah. Like, I yeah. was, like, really going to be like, watch it be, like, 10,000 or something. 30,000 people yeah. in the Coliseum in 2023. Well, you know, and you think about it, the A's have a rich history. They, they do. Have a very rich history. That's why I'm against them moving. Yeah, I know, and and they should they should stay in Oakland. And 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 the difference is if they had an owner that that gave a shit. I you know you know there was a um, I saw I read a piece on this that Fisher has not signed a a legitimate contract or what you would call an upper echelon contract since Eric Chavez in 2004. A four-year, sixty-six million-dollar contract back then, which would be worth roughly ninety-four million now. I think it was like six years, sixty-six. Two thousand four, yeah, six yeah. years. I mean, that's not even a significant deal, to be quite honest. No. Now they've signed Cespedes and some other people for shorter-term deals, you know, maybe, but they've never paid a player more than ten million dollars a year. And and in this day and age, that's do I, a joke. Do I need to present to you the team that they tore down? That made the playoffs three oh, years in a row. Exactly. To, yeah. Matt Olson, yeah. Matt Chapman, Chapman, Marcus Simeon, yeah. Chris Bassett. Yeah. Put those keep, guys keep to, going. If they'd have kept those teams right now. Sean Murphy. They would be uh, leaders. And they would be division. perennial all star yeah. or yeah. all star uh, playoff Contenders. team like yeah. they were those three seasons. They had yeah. them all. You tore them all. You tore it all down because you're just cheap. Exactly. Because yeah. and and you need money to make. And what money. what they you, do is what they do honestly is more egregious than uh, anything yes. the Rays have ever done. I totally, agree. not even close. I totally agree. Because the Rays still, at the end of the day, will they feel win. the competitive team yeah, and yeah. they win games. Yeah, they figured out how to win on 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 a similar. The A's um, just have no plan. None, none. Except he's just going to keep collecting revenue sharing dollars and TV dollars and 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 and, and just make money that way. Um, and if he moves to Vegas, well, and that was approved last night, by the way, three hundred eighty million dollars. Of, How fitting of, of public money to build a stadium. Now that's not nearly enough to build a stadium. Fisher's going to have to come up with a big chunk himself. Yeah, uh, to to do it. And is he going to be able to do it? Does he want to do it? And, and you know, I don't understand. There are people lining up to buy baseball teams. Why does Major League Baseball 
insist on having owners like Sternberg, who refuses to get a stadium deal done, and Fisher, who won't do anything to get a stadium deal done, when there are, there are guys waiting in line to buy these teams. Like, what, what are you doing, Major League Baseball? Yeah, like I guess the, you can't uh, force The Saudis these. are waiting in line. What yeah, are you doing here? Exactly. I mean, um, these, and the, the players would probably appreciate having owners that want to pay real salaries. So the, I'm sure the, the, the union is not happy with the Rays or, well, or the A's. Well, here's my thing. Or the, I just want owners who, who give a you-know-what. Yeah, of course. That's all I want. Of course. And, and, that's, I, and, that's, all the, and that's why I felt for those fans last night. I, was, I felt so sorry because those are – I would like to see the Rays fans – honestly get together and do something like that but well, they there's really no need can't. to right now. they can't because we're winning we have the best record in baseball and that's you know and that and and, and that clears a lot of ills obviously when you're winning but it still doesn't change how he has run the how Stu has run the team and the lack of a stadium they just happen to be really really good right now and they haven't always been really good and by the way they won't always be really good it's not and if they continue down this road of selling off players when they get get expensive you know, and we're not sure that they will. Maybe they've changed their ways. They've signed these players to long-term contracts. Wander, for one, but again, he's only making two million dollars. Is it two million this year? Yeah, two million dollars this year. So that contract's not expensive yet, and and we'll see if they hold on to him. But I really felt sorry for those A's fans I did too. last night, and I was like, you know what? That's screw you, Major League Baseball. Make the guy sell the damn team. Make him sell the team to somebody who's going to come in there and run it like a baseball team and get a stadium deal done. Not, that, to, not to mention, they've already lost all the sports teams they had in that area. Yes. The Raiders, they got jerked around with that. And then the Warriors, what, they no. went across the way? Yeah, it, it sounds like they have, you know, and, and Davis was, is not a rich owner either. Mark no. Davis is he's not like a, the He's like the least, yeah. like, richest NFL owner, I right. believe. And then, you know, the Warriors, you know, for, for what, how do you not move to a, a brand new Coliseum in San Francisco where they actually, well, <laughs> another terrible city that's gone down the drain. But it's just, you know, it's, it's all about ownership. It's ownership, ownership, ownership. And I know, you know, Rays fans are, are happy now with what the team is doing. They're marketing the team. They're being much more fan-friendly. So those are, these are all positive developments. So I, I think, you know, to, to Stu's credit, um, they are doing some things now that they should have been doing for a long, long time. The only piece left now for him is to step up and pay for half a stadium in Tampa, and then everything's going to be fine. And then he can sell the team if he wants to, which, you know, he, he has a, uh, let's just say there are people willing to buy the team. He has an, uh, I've been told that he has an offer on his desk uh, for $1.5 billion. And I don't, haven't been able to corroborate that. Nobody could except for Stu Sternberg, and they're not talking about it. Um, but the price is much higher than that, <laughs> according to Stu. And when the stadium deal gets done, it'll, it'll change the value of the team. So stay tuned for that. But as far as the baseball goes last night, uh, a lot of missed opportunity for the Rays again. Yeah, you got you got to score more than one run against this pitching staff. Yeah, it's not ideal. Like yeah. they've scored four runs in what eighteen innings against the A's. Yeah, it's not ideal. And how about the weirdest thing? And they terrible. said it. They said it multiple times in the broadcast that Yandy Diaz is zero for sixteen this year against the A's. Yeah, he has no hits against this pitching staff. It's really after, hard to wrap my head around. And that's after us <laughs> drubbing them. By a combined score of thirty-one to five in the first sweep of the season, correct? Yandy went hitless. Correct. Something about these green colors just is, does not dig. They're not working. He's no. Not okay with it. Not working. It no. But they, I mean, by like, the way, classic uniforms. Love the A's. That's what I'm saying. Like I hate to keep make this an A's show, but damn it, I don't want the A's to move. No, that's a beautiful uniform, and that, that with, they, with the it's, whites. It's so classic. Green, oh, you don't have to change a the, thing. The script A. 
Beautiful. <sighs> the little yellow, just enough yellow on the ball cap to make it pop, you know. Mm. So mm. much. I don't want them to move. Mm. But, no, their baseball team, they straight up just came in there. And, I mean, the A's, the A's are not hitting that well either, obviously. Yeah. I mean, give give, give Yanni Chirinos some credit. We've yeah, been well, talking about him a little bit. He continues to just go out there and he battles. And before you look up, he's gone through five innings or six innings of work. And he's given up like a run or less. And that's kind of what he settled into. So that was a good development for them last night. And then they just got really it, – it's kind of unlucky what happened. I think there in the eighth inning when the when the A scored their run, like yeah, they get the the leadoff runner on, and then he gets to second, and then there was a couple. I'm trying to like recall what happened last night. It was late. Well, it was the it was the hot shot, the Paredes who deflected it. Wander got it, could not throw home in time. Correct. Yeah, and that was the way the run scored. Yeah. Uh, so, and they had didn't they hit a double into the left left field corner? I think yeah to to get the runner to third. Yeah, you know it, it, again. Against this pitching staff, you can't score one run. You've got to be way better than that. You've got to be way better than that. And and hope you know the Rays will pop back. They'll be they'll be fine. They're not you know I know they're but their their lead is down to what four games now. That's the frustrating part. Yeah, they their lead is now the Orioles have won five games in a row mm-hmm. and they've cut it to four. It's like and the Rays are seven and three in their last ten and they've lost two and a half games of their lead in that stretch. If you can believe it. That's crazy. This the, the AL East is ridiculous. All right, let's uh, we'll we'll get back to the Rays a little bit here and there. But the, the main story of the day is this, as Buck's basement puts puts it, the Devin White situation is highlighting Todd Bowles' shortcomings as a head coach. I could not agree more. That was that is my 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 monologue for the day. Um, yesterday we we took Devin White to task. Uh, today, it's Todd Bowles and the organization, because. This is, I, I kind of said this yesterday as well, Todd Bowles cannot, because we, we had the quote at the end of the show yesterday, so we talked a little bit about this. He, they're covering for him again. They're covering for him again. And, and you know what happens when you continue to cover for somebody? You get the same behavior. You get the same behavior. We, he covered for him during the loafing incident with, with Sap calling him out. The team covered for him. Bowles has been covering for him ever since. And how is Todd Bowles rewarded with his loyalty to a, to a player? Uh, he goes on social media and does all this stupid shenanigans and demands a trade because he thinks he's worth a lot more than he's actually worth, in my opinion. And what did we get yesterday? Well, let's play the audio. This is uh, from the beginning of Todd Bowles' press conference, and you know we'll, we'll dissect it a little bit, but you can hear it for yourself, the back and forth. No, it's not a hold-in. We like to see where he is physically, so we don't feel like we need to put him out here right now until we test him and do everything. So two or three days of camp is not going to help him that way. Todd, do you plan for Devin to practice at all these next couple of days? Or can not for two days, no. I mean, we'll run tests and do all the lifting and running stuff inside, and he'll be ready for training camp. So he showed up yesterday in his sweats, you know, with talking to his, you can see be seen talking to his teammates, um, you know, laughing and joking. But he's not doing anything here, and you know this idea that it's not a hold-in is—it's uh, ridiculous. Nobody's buying that, Todd. And I understand as an organization, maybe that's what they're telling you to do. But again, I would—you know—if I were you, Todd Bowles, I would follow my instincts and just be honest about it, because that's not. 
and I understand what the organization is trying to do here. They don't want to upset the apple cart. They want to make it as, you know, non-newsworthy as possible. Oh, there's nothing to see here. No, he's just, you know, we don't want to, you know, we, we just want to test him physically. He's not going to get anything out of this camp, which is, you know, honestly, he, he knows the defense. It's better, honestly, for Servassier and others to get the reps. Frankly, if you're a Bucks fan, that's better because if Devin White does hold out, you want Servassier Dennis to be ready to play. So in that sense, it's good, right? Um, but for Devin, again, this was an opportunity to show leadership, in my opinion. This was an opportunity to say, okay, listen, and I mean, at this point, he has to realize that his, his holdout or his trade demand is not working. Like, that's not working. Now, if he's continuing, now, if he thinks he's going to do it through training camp and do the Roquan Smith thing, um, I, I, you know, again, the Bucks should trade him sooner than later. And clearly, they're not getting a whole lot of interest in trading them, or I think they would trade. Unless they, you know, maybe Todd Bowles is so entrenched with this guy, and he loves him so much. And that we do know that. Like, he loves Devin White like a son. He really does. I mean, that's, that, that's just the way it is. And, if, again, if you're a head coach, you got to like your players, but you can't fall in love with them. You can't fall in love with them because then you're not seeing clearly what other people are seeing. And you're valuing a player who's – you're overvaluing a player. And you're compromising yourself as a head coach by continuing to cover for this guy. Everybody in the organization knows – all these other players knows what, know what's going on. I mean, Levante David hasn't been out to OTAs for a whole lot, but he was out there practicing. You know, um, Mike Evans hasn't been out there a lot. Carlton Davis hasn't been out there, I don't think, at all, hardly at all. They're out there practicing. You're a professional athlete. You're supposed to be an elite linebacker. You're not in shape enough to go out there and practice is what you're telling me. That's what Todd Bowles is telling me. I, I think you're in shape enough. I think you could do it, but you don't want to. So once again, the, 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 they're covering for this guy. Why are they covering for this guy who's not been loyal to them? I don't get this. The only thing that makes any sense is Todd Bowles loves him so much, he's just going to continue to cover for him. Please come back. Please come back. Oh, we love you so much. And I'm sure he's probably telling Jason Light, give him the money. And Jason Light's not. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that, Todd. Sorry. It's, it's not a need. It's not a, a, an absolute critical position. He's not that good of a player. He's not worth the money. I mean, I'm sorry. He's not. And to me, I, I'm, Buck's baseman is right on point here. This is showing why Todd Bowles is not a great head coach. Do you think Bill Belichick would be covering for this guy? Do you think Bruce Arians would be covering for him? No. No. And maybe if you sat up there, Todd, and said, we've been very loyal to this player. We've been very loyal to this player. We picked up his, his fifth-year option at $11.7 million, making him one of the highest inside linebackers, uh, highest-paid inside linebackers in the game. His play last year was not where it should be. And we, we expect him to be in here and learning and becoming a better player because he needs to be a better player. What's wrong with saying that? I don't get it. Like, what's wrong with saying that? Why not put the pressure on the player to get his ass in here? And if he doesn't show up, fine. We're moving on. And, and, and I, let me just answer, tell you this, Todd. Why do you want a player that's half in? Why do you even want that? If he's not all in with your team, what are you saying to the rest of your team by continuing to cover for this guy? It's not a good look. It, does, it sends a terrible message to the rest of your team. And I, for one, think if you can get something for him, take it. 
because, again, I, I, I don't think he's that great of a player. He's not worth the money, and at this point, it's a disruption. And if it gets to training camp and he's not there and we keep talking about it, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Move on, save the cap money, go sign Dalvin Cook. I'll, I'll argue right now. This team's a better team. Now, they can't, uh, they can't cut him and save the money because I think they picked up the fifth-year option. Uh, and so I, I think they can only trade him. So maybe, you know, they're, they're kind of stuck in this position that they can't rip the guy because then they'd just be decreasing his, his trade value. Yeah, and I think, that's why Dev, I think that's why Todd Bowles is continuing to cover for him. But, and it's like I understand coaches lie, and we're still in lying season. Don't get it twisted. But Todd Bowles, this lie is just it's so, it's so bad. Yeah. It's so bad. And for the point that you mentioned, Levante David is, what, eight years older than Devin White? Hasn't been around much this offseason, to my knowledge. Mike Evans is five years older than Devin White, has played 10 years in this league, has not been around much, has had hamstring issues and things like that. And those guys were fine yesterday to practice, last time I checked. Yeah. But Devin White, it's, we don't want to get him out there because we don't know where he's at physically. Unless, the, unless I'm just missing something. That doesn't make, that is not, this is like one and one adding to three right here, and yeah. not to two. That's what I take away from what Todd Bull said yesterday, and frankly, I'm just, I'm over it. I hear other coaches around the league that deal with the same issues, they don't talk like this. They just don't talk like this. And there's a theme there, because Todd Bowles, to me, does not know how to be a head coach. No. And, that, and that's... He's too much of a player's coach. And listen, and this, I'm saying this, and it hurts to say it. It really does, because we love Todd Bowles. We do. But he's five years as a head coach, as we've said over and over and over. You are what your record says you are. The way you handle, you, way you handle things in games, the way you handle things in the media, I'm almost over all of it. Yeah. I, I hate to be so negative about yeah. it, but I'm just, I can't take any more covering up. But to me, there's a difference between calling out a player, decreasing his trade value, and then give an honest assessment of something. It seems like when you ask a question about other players, we're able to get sometimes from Todd, and I think Joe Tryon's a great example, where last year he said something ever so simple, but it got the point across. Well, he missed more sacks than he made. Great, I get it. I know what Joe Tryon Shawinka needs to work on. You just told me without really saying it like in a long-form answer that he wasn't as good as he needed to be last year. It, That's all I needed. Is that terrible? That, is no. That, is that going to crush the kid? No. Is that, is that, it might motivate him to be better. That's what I'm saying. It's Go like figure. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't have to be you ripping him, oh, he was awful last year and we lost eight games because of Devin White in the middle and this and that. It doesn't have to be that. But just tell me, just don't feed me a bunch of BS that Devin White is the best player on the defense and, oh and we stand God. by him and this and that. I just, I can't sit through those things anymore. No. I just can't. It's absurd on its face, to be honest. If, if, and, and, you know, I, I, again, I don't want to be mean to Todd Bowles, but if you're sitting there saying he's the, he's the best or second best player on your team or on your defense and he makes plays that other play guys don't make, I'm like, you're, if that's the case, you're the only one seeing it. Because most people I know that look at, at him say, yeah, you know, he makes some plays. He makes some really good splash plays. But overall, he's really inconsistent. And I, I would rather have somebody who's less splashy and more consistent play that position. And it, it, it's just it's, it's becoming really the main thing that we're talking about here with this team when we should be talking about so many other things. And it's really showing, I think, more than anything, Todd Bowles' deficiencies. 
and and uh, you know, Todd loves his players, and his players love him. That can be a problem. That can be a problem when you're too much of a player's coach, and they don't respect you or fear you in any way that you're going to put them on blast. You don't get the best out of your players, in my opinion. You don't. And you know, Raheem Morris was that guy. Raheem would hang out with the players. Not that Todd does that. But he would hang out with the players, go drinking with them when he was young because he was their age. <laughs> he basically was, you know, he was contemporary. And, you know, it, it works to, to, with some guys, but with most guys it doesn't. If they don't fear you, you're not going to get the best out of them. You're just not. And here you go again, by the way. Devin White just showed up to camp right now 45 minutes into practice. No jersey on, just observing yeah, well, that you know, they may have been doing some tests with him inside, so I don't want to, uh, you know, read into anything like he's just lollygagging and showing up. No, I'm that's just, what it looks like. I'm, I'm just reading you what the, I'm just reading you exactly what the report said. <laughs> yeah, so we don't, you know, like maybe they were doing. He was doing some weightlifting inside, working with the trainers anyway. And, and by the way, the whole idea that he may not be in shape to play, so we're holding him out. Well, whose fault is that? Whose fault is that? Everybody else is in shape. Everybody else is expected to be in shape, but it's okay if he shows up out of shape and we just want to evaluate him and we're not going to put him out there for, for I'd be I'd be more concerned like if, that's the, I'd be more concerned if the guy who is begging for a $20 million contract shows up to camp out of shape when we have 100%, you know, of every entire everybody's there and everybody that can participate is participating. I'd be a little bit more concerned then too about this. So, either way it's not a good look no matter what the reasoning is here. I know. It's so stupid. It's not a hold in. We're just, you know, it really doesn't need to be out here and, you know, for three to. Well, then why the hell is everybody and, else out there? And also, too, I why can't. Why is Carlton Davis out there? Why is Levante David out Why is everybody else out there? But it's okay for Dev to not be out there. And he's your. By the way, he's your captain on the defense? I mean, none of this. this I said it yesterday. This is effing ridiculous. This is, this is a, like a mid level player, in my opinion saying I'm, I'm worth elite money and I'm not going to show up and play unless I get it. Well, <laughs> dude, you're completely overvaluing yourself. And if, this is, if you really want that contract, why would you not come in, act like a leader? To, this is the point for me. If you really want that contract from this team or another team, you think this is the way to get it? You really think this is the way to get it? You don't think it's a better... Maybe you should follow the Levante David example or the Chris Godwin example or the Mike Evans example or all the other guys that got the money when they showed up, worked their ass off, showed their value to your team, did everything right, then you get rewarded. If the team and you don't see eye to eye on your next contract and they're going to pay you $11.7 million, I've said this before, I'll say it again, Devin. You need to say to them, you need to come to the podium today, by the way. Why are you running from the media? Why, why, are we so big and bad that you can't step up there and answer some questions and be honest with everybody? Really? That makes you look immature as well. You can't, you can't sit in front of some reporters. and, and why don't, that, All you have to do is say, look, I feel like I'm a $100 million player. All right? And I, that's my goal to get that. And... Obviously, the Bucks don't agree with that, and that's fine. That's that's the way negotiations go. This is a sport; it's a business as well. So I get it. We uh, just do not agree on that. So I'm here to bust my ass in training camp 
to bust my ass in OTAs, to do everything right, to answer all your questions, and say, I feel like I'm this player, and I'm going to go out and prove it this year. I'll take my 11-7, but I'm going to prove to you I'm a $20 million a year linebacker. <laughs> who's, who's got a problem with that? Who? And you go out and make your money and then make some more money. But this approach shows immaturity, and it shows to me that you're trying to get money that you don't deserve. You're trying to leverage your way. You're you're, you're doing with Kyler Murray, except you're not that talented. You're trying to get money that you don't deserve. You know you don't deserve it, so you're just trying to pressure the Bucks into doing it. And you know what? They're they're not going to fold, or at least God, I hope they don't. Fold. No, and if they if they did fold, it would. People don't understand. This is this would almost tank. You want to talk about tanking the Bucks' future? Yeah. And putting themselves in a bad situation, and this is the moves. Clearly, if you give a linebacker like of this caliber, right? $20 million or even $15 million plus right there, just given what I've seen in four years, right. not, notwithstanding what he potentially goes and does this year, just based off the four years. That's what bad organizations do. Yeah. And frankly, that's what the old bucks would do. Yes, 100%. Is overpay for mediocrity. Yep. Yep. This, and Jason Light has shown you, though, in the last five, six years that he's really been getting better at this and mm-hmm. has become really damn good at this, that it's, it's, they don't discriminate. If you are good at what you do, you will get paid. That's right. How many guys you see them let walk through the door the last few years that are in Devin White's age bracket that are really good players? You see them letting anybody out the door? No. No. They he, paid, he, they he, paid they pay him. They paid Carlton Davis. Even when some of those guys have they deficiencies paid, in the game, in their games, Vita, they paid Vita Vea. They still pay him. Yeah. They're going to pay Tristan Wirth. They're going to pay You can go on and on yeah. and on. You know, what's I don't, the difference between those guys? Those guys are high-impact players and that have very few holes in their game, if any. And they show up. And they show up, and they they're, do it. They, they, yeah. they're good soldiers. Correct. They do what the organization asks them to do. They do it. They, they're, they're team players. I, I wouldn't put Devin in that category of any of it. So, well, know, I don't think Devin's. Let me prep. I don't think Devin is like he's not a headache. Like, like. Outside of the field, we put it like you know what I'm trying to say. He's not like we don't have any off the field issues with Devin well, White. Well, remember, like this. I think uh, he's got his, okay, I think I'll, he's got his head on screwed straight. Right. Remember this from Buck's basement because I think it's a thing. He said Devin actually created an issue with Godwin last year. Remember in the live stream, Lenny had after the Saints game, Godwin did not like the way Devin talked about Jameis. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I remember that extremely well, and it was, it was, and and, and yeah, Devin was being. A jerk about Jameis, and he. Everybody on this team, to a man, loves Jameis because of the you know the dude that he is, and he's always been a great teammate. Whatever you think about him as as a football player, the players always loved him. He was a hard worker. He set a great example in terms of work ethic and doing everything he should be doing. He just couldn't stop throwing interceptions. <laughs> okay, so and, and everybody loves him. And when Devin was being an a hole about Jameis. And, you know, Godwin got into it, and, and a bunch. Of, and I, I, I sense that Devin is not as part of the the party as people think. I do. I, I, I just that's just my personal opinion. And I think this, and I don't think any of these shenanigans. You think these other guys want to be out there? Well, practicing? I, Hell no. No. And I no. think I think if anybody and they could. see him off on the sideline not doing anything. Pouting and sulking? No. Well, I no. think if anybody had a real gripe with, with Devin White or could have one on this team, it would be Levante David, to be honest, because 
I truly feel like Levante David could have gotten more money on the open market. Oh, sure he could have. I mean, $7 Absolutely. million for Levante David, come on. Absolutely. Okay, even at 33 years old. He yeah. could have gotten much more on the market, in my opinion. And he decided to come back, and he's going to be a buck for life. And guess what? Play next to Devin White and continue that. You know, me and you, get live 45. We're going to do this thing, right? Yeah. And then he sh- comes back, and the guy says, eh, I don't really want to be here anymore. So that, to me, it's just that there's, there's, a, there's such a drastic difference when you talk about Levante David, the way he handles his, thing, the way he handles his shit for the last 12 years, yep. and the way Devin White has. Totally there's such agree. a contrast there. And if Devin can't figure it out by being next to Levante for five years now, that, to me, would be pretty telling. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. All right, well, let's move off this subject. You guys want to jump in on it. Um, you know, Bill, a couple more, uh, more comments here um, from Buck's Basement. You better not get to see the season. I can't see the players voting him a captain. I, I just can't. I may be wrong. Um, I prefer giving this money to Werfs and Winfield. Absolutely. Who doesn't? You know, I prefer giving it to, to, uh, to uh, Dalvin Cook if we can get him. You know, look, I love Rashad White. I think he's going to be a really, really good player. But if we could add Dalvin Cook... I wouldn't. I wouldn't be opposed to that whatsoever. You, you just, your, your nose. I'm not talking about long term contract. I'm talking about a one year, six million. Come on, uh, he in ain't and taking play. that. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know who's going to give him more money. I mean, maybe the Dolphins will. We'll, we'll see. But um, yeah, I, I just. I think we'd be a better team to be honest yeah. with you. I feel your pain, R.J. Martin. One year ago, I wanted a D. White jersey. Was a huge fan. This year, wouldn't wear one for free. How about that? I, I have a. I own a Devin White jersey. I bought it right when they came out with the new uniforms. It's a nice red one. It's one of those like limited ones, like one of the, the ones that's stitched and everything. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, it's actually at the bottom of my laundry pile right now, and that's not even by design either. I think you could trade that jersey for. Uh... A bag of peanuts. I wish I could. Of, Can you? They should have a trade. They should have like a jersey exchange type thing. Ooh. Shouldn't that be a thing by now? Yeah. Like if you buy a jersey for a player and then like said player gets traded, I've already spent all that money. Like, shouldn't I be able to like exchange it? I'm not saying like straight up. Like maybe I could pay a little bit, but With shouldn't I get team? like a discount? With the team? Yeah. With the team store? Yeah. Like if you bought it from the team store, like I should be able to trade it in at a discounted rate. That would be a bad precedent to set. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Shame on me for feeling like any company would look out for for look out yeah, for fans at best interest. Shame on me. Shame on you. <laughs> That's the whole idea. That's why they come out with new jerseys all the time. We want they want you to buy an oh just buy another Devin White jersey. But for this Devin reason Cup. though, this Go is buy why a creamsicle Devin White jersey. Oh, I, I'm buying a creamsicle jersey this year. Are you? Heck yeah, because I got to have something to wear on the uh, the creamsicle day. All I do have my Ronde creamsicle jersey though. Oh, why not wear that? That would be great to wear. Hell yeah. Last time we wore him was when Rondé was in him. Yeah. Hell yeah. Mm. Well, he's going into the Hall of Fame this year. Perfect. Uh, you don't even need to go spend. Save your money. Well, if I go to the Rondé game where he's getting, where they have the induction thing, yeah. that'd be a good place to wear it, too. Yeah, you could wear it twice. Wear it to the Lions game and then wear it to that. There you go. There you go. All right, so other stuff happening at camp uh, yesterday. Baker Mayfield had a nice day. Baker Mayfield running with the ones. Three touchdown passes. Uh, a nice uh, touch pass to Keyshawn Vaughn or, or Godwin for a touchdown. Got Keyshawn Vaughn in the flat uh, for a touchdown. Who else caught a touchdown? Uh, I think, uh, oh, Rakeem Jarrett with a diving catch with a touchdown from Baker Mayfield. Seen a lot of good things from that dude. Yeah, yeah, Rakeem Jarrett, yeah. Um, 
there's a, there's a guy who's stepping up. Uh, interesting to note that Dee Delaney is starting in the slot. Dee Delaney is kind of a sneaky good player. You know, when he's out there, he's not the biggest guy in the world, he, 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 but he's, he tends to make some plays out there. So he may be a little hard to unseat as the, uh, as the slot guy right now, but I know they want Zion McCollum to try it a little bit. Josh Hayes is trying Well, remember, we spoke to Scott Reynolds. Pick. He said he wouldn't be surprised if, I can't even remember, he mentioned one of the undrafted guys that had a chance to is beat he? out. Yeah, is in, yeah, the guy from Rutgers, I believe. Yeah, he got a, he got a pick yesterday. Yeah, he said that he had been standing out more than Josh Haynes, I believe, and that yeah. he wouldn't be surprised if he take if he ends up getting the spot over Haynes. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe that's why I'm leading the way for D. Delaney to take control of this position. Yeah, yeah. So that it seems like um, the safety room, uh, Ryan Neal and and Winfield are playing a lot together. So that that looks good. Um, you know, all this is just by the way, it's underwear football, so we're not making any any great. Uh, you know who concerns me, though? Here, but it's, it's pretty – and Servassier Dennis. Yeah, I keep hearing great six. things about him. Had a pick six off of Kyle Trask. I wonder if Devin White was watching. Mm-hmm. Probably. <laughs> well, he better be watching. That's why I'm, like, there. actually very excited for you to get out to camp tomorrow so you yeah. can finally watch Servassier up close. Yeah. And tell me what you see. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because tomorrow they'll do a lot of 11-on-11s, one-on-ones. So yeah, I'll be looking forward to that. You know, what does concern me about this part of camp though at the moment, or a person, a player who concerns me right now, is Russell Gage. Yeah, I hate to. I'm I'm just putting it out there because I hear I keep hearing all these great things about Trey Palmer. I'm hearing all these things about Raheem Jarrett and even David Moore to an extent, right? David Moore had a couple of good catches right, and I know you're high on Devin Tompkins, Tompkins and some potential Devin there. Tompkins. Yep. And Russell Gage, second straight year, just sitting on the sideline. Help! Nothing he can do about it because he's hurt, obviously, and you know it's a new offense, and it feels like it's passing him by, does it not? Of course it does. It does, you know. Um, but that's what competition is for. That's why you go out and sign these guys to to push the other guys. And if, if Trey Palmer is ready to go, let's go. You know. Yeah, David I mean, Moore's, I David want the best Moore's, guy to. I want the best guy to play, but I. It just it, it doesn't sit right with me that Russell Gage is making ten million a year. To just be injured, yeah. majority of the time. Yeah, David Moore has a history in this league. Has a history with with uh, Canales at Seattle. And if they line up, you know, in day one with Dave Moore, uh, I'm sorry, David Moore. I'm thinking of the of the tight end. Like, did I say that right? David Moore and Godwin and Evans. I'm good with that. Um, and, and the the other scuttlebutt here is the tight ends are not really involved in this offense very much. Kate Otten hasn't got a whole lot of looks. Um, Tuwala, who's an undrafted free agent, is getting some looks. Well, I don't um, recall this offense in Seattle using much of the tight end either. Yeah, I was just thinking about And it's a Rams offense, too, so I'm thinking, you know. Well, they, they use Hickby a lot. Yeah, but. yeah. So they, I don't know, is it the tight ends or is it the offense? It might be the tight ends. I mean, you know how I feel about the tight end room. I would have preferred to have gotten yeah. It's a more like I like Cade. Okay, he's like one of those kind of all-around guys, but I don't think he excels at any one thing. No, and not I think a great blocker. No, and I think he's he's just a serviceable tight end. Let me and, just put it that way. I think he's a big target. and He can run. He can run. Yeah. He's more athletic. And then Coe is Coe. You're not. You're, nice. just, he's he's Alan Cross. Great, great dude. Great, <laughs> great dude. dude. Great dude. Uh, the the, the pain derm. I know they love the potential that he brings in the red zone. Just can't get open. But he's very slow. Yeah. I that's what I was, I think that was my one thing in this draft. I would have hoped. See, if they had a fourth round pick, it would have been perfect because there were so many athletic tight ends 
like super athletic tight ends in this draft, and I wish they could have gotten one of them. But yeah. But you know, if they don't even use the tight end that much, I really guess it's really not the biggest deal in the world. I mean, at some point, I just need these guys to block really well. I might well. be looking for a veteran addition to the tight end room at some point. Oh, don't say, don't say Kyle Rudolph, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know who's out there who might be. You know, sometimes you can squeeze another year out of some of these guys. Uh, I don't think Anthony Beck is coming back anytime soon. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I, I, that that might be something that that they would look for. Um, all right, we'll take a quick break here. We're already 40 minutes in, so we're going to come back and hear some more Buccaneer sound. We'll talk more about what's going on in the offense. And has Baker Mayfield already won this job? That was, uh, I think, that's something that a lot of people are already talking about. So we'll hit that around, and we'll hear from uh, some of the guys when we come back. We're brought to you by the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S Law Group.com, Bay Area Modern Medical Center, B-A-M-M-C.com. Chris Lugo joined us yesterday. Great segment there if you want to go check that out on hydration and uh, energy. So check that out as well. We'll be back in three. Sick. Hey, guys, are you experiencing those feelings of getting older, lower sex drive, fatigue, hot flashes, moodiness, or you just don't feel like you had the vitality you once had? It's a chronic problem here in the United States. You're not just getting old. It's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline as well. So do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area Modern Medicine. Look, testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and emotional stability, not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use. They will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results. Folks, I've been on testosterone therapy for over six years, and it is a life changer. You will feel and look better than you did 10 years ago. Give them a call at 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. That's 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls. But as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. 
If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa, and for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events, the biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events, the Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions. They are awesome. Coming back at you. Now, more with JP on Fan Stream Sports. It's only just begun. All right, welcome back. Our thanks to our great sponsors, the Golden Diamond Source. Hey, we're just a few days away from uh, from Father's Day, so if you haven't gotten anything for Dad yet, head on over to the Golden Diamond Source. Get you a nice watch, you know, a nice little you know, personalized pendant or something or, or a, a bracelet. Dad would like that, you know, for, for dad, to the best dad, something like that. They can do that all for you there at the Golden Diamond Source. they got tons of great Father's Day gifts. So get on over there, 3800 Olmerton Road, always online at thegoldendiamondsource.com. What will you be doing for Father's Day this weekend? There's a very good chance I will be playing golf and watching the U.S. Open. Okay. After a brunch with my daughter, who's in town, so I'm sure I will be breaking bread and doing something in the morning. My, I don't think my son will be coming down for Chicago, but you never know. Could surprise But you me. did get to see him last week. Yeah, I did. I did get to see him last week, so all good. Um, yeah, I'm looking looking forward to it. You know, it's like, it's like what moms really want to do on Mother's Day. It's like, don't bother me. Send me to the spa. And, yeah. And I don't want to be play mom today. That's what they wanted. What do dads want to do? I always love to see my kids. Don't get me wrong. But then, you know, do what you want to do. Play golf and watch the U.S. Open, of course. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, the U.S. Open out at the L.A. Country Club. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. John Gerber is going to join us with his picks for the U.S. Open and uh, our, our resident PGA pro. Uh, we had him on talking about Michael Brown at the PGA where uh, he used to play. He played a little bit with Michael Brown. So, um, yeah, we'll get his picks. And he had Nick Taylor last week. I did see that. Yeah, 66-1. to 1. 
He had Nick Taylor last week as uh, as uh, so that's a nice little cash in right there on a hundred dollar bet. So he'll have his picks for the U.S. Open. Maybe you make some money. Maybe you make some money. This um, yeah, we'll get into that a little bit later on. But we want to get into um, oh gosh, I want it. Bucks, Bucks stuff. What's that? Sorry, I just I'm scrolling through a Twitter through the show, and then I just came across this. I want it. Yeah, I saw those all over Wrigley Field. Where's that? This is, is at that this is Durham. Oh, Durham. Durham Bulls. Look at that cup. Yeah, that is that. It's, it's like a baseball bat uh, cup, so full of beer. Hold on, let me let me share. It's got a little baseball at the bottom of it, and then uh, let me share my kind screen. Of, almost like a yard of beer. Let me share my screen real quick so everybody can see. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. Let me throw it up here. That that is a beautiful look right there. That's a beautiful look with a baseball field in the background. Look at that thing. Two bats full I, of beer. I, I want it. Oh, yes. Looks refreshing. Oh, this, it looks like Miller Lights in there. Oh, it looks so good. Okay, that's a down. That's a down. <laughs> you can't put an IPA in that thing. You damn right you could. And it tastes a hundred times better. Absolutely disgusting. I had a, I had a, they handed out a free orange blossom pilsner at I know, right? At uh at SeaWorld the other day. We we're at SeaWorld SeaWorld and I took a slip of it and I went no wonder it's free. You know the other one they were giving away? Hmm. Bud Light. You should have drank the Bud Light. <laughs> they both taste like crap, so I wasn't gonna have either one of them. Ugh. Ugh. I'm like and I'm like, so you are you guys trying to get rid of the Bud Light? And the girl's like, yeah. <laughs> so I said, can you give it away for free? She said, no. <laughs> you freaking people, man. Just drink. Just drink the beer. I didn't do anything. They're the ones who did it. It's just. I'm gonna. I'm not even gonna comment. I'm not even gonna comment. I was about to say something. I just won't even say it. No, feel free. You're. You're. Okay. It, it's a bunch of. You're, Go ahead. I don't care where you lean. I don't care where you lean politically, but you got a bunch of grown men who call themselves manly men. You know, they they actually eat hungry man TV dinners and all that, and they drink a beer when they get home for work. First thing they want to do is they want to open up that beer fridge and open a beer. And for fifty years, because it's usually a fifty year old man who smokes heaters all day, and they get home and if, what's it always they've been drinking? Bud Light. Oh, but oh, but then a little ad came out on the TV. And now I can't drink my Bud Light. <laughs> Manly man. That was pretty good. Give me a break. That was pretty good. Who gives a crap? That was pretty good. That was really good. <laughs> I'm done. That was really good. I finally got some passion out of you. <laughs> Defending Dylan Mulvaney and Bud Light. I'm not defending anybody. I just don't give a crap. You know how many things I consume that I know they probably have shady practices or things I don't. I don't just don't. I just don't care. Yeah, you know, go on the, go on the White House lawn, pull your shirt down, show your. Face. I don't even know. I don't even see this. So those things aren't even on. Those things aren't even on my radar. I'm pretty sure that's a muted Which word. Is on probably my, why you I don't think understand the White House. Thing. I think the White House just muted on my Twitter account too. It probably is. But that's probably why you don't understand why some people are just a little bit over it. You know, you know and myself, again, no, 99% of people, if not more, have no problem with transgender people or gay people or any of that stuff. Nobody has any problem with it. You want to start doing drag shows in my elementary school with my kids? I got a problem with it. You want to start you know, competing in, in women's sports? And stealing medals and things away from women that have been busting their ass their entire life, I got a problem with that. 
when you when I think a lot of people feel like you want to start shoving it down our throat and targeting our children, people got a problem with that. And that's okay for them to have your their opinion and for you to have your opinion. Absolutely, it's okay. So that's why people it's not because they did an ad campaign. It's uh, people had had enough. That's enough. And yeah. everybody can have their opinion and they can vote with their if with their dollars or lack or lack thereof. So there you are. Um, <laughs> see, RJ loved your rant. <laughs> I just, I didn't, I don't think I missed. I just don't think I did. Yeah. Uh, one cancer, one cancer, cancer culture yelling at another cancer culture. Did you mean to do that? Yeah. Those cups are $38 at Wrigley. Lonnie said, yeah, that's why I didn't get one. Um, I'll take a beer. $38. I'll take a beer and a cup. Woo. Yeah, but you get to keep the bat. Get to keep the bat, so take that home with you. Oh, I think it's worth it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I think it's worth it then. <laughs> I knew you would say that, yeah. They're probably cheaper at Durham, though. Uh, um, what is Lonnie Williams, the pipe bomb? What, is you, that, wouldn't, you wouldn't understand. What, what is it? You wouldn't understand. What, what does that mean? It's something we're going to get on Saturday night, so, I mean. Mm. We're going to get it on Saturday night. Wrestling, okay, good, moving we're, on. We're going to get a pipe bomb on Saturday night. But, <laughs> For your friendly reminder, CM Punk is back on Saturday. Right. Wow. Can't wait. Um, you could feel me tearing up a little bit. I see it. But in reality, I'm just trying to hold back this sneeze. All right. Can we talk about Baker Mayfield? <laughs> can we talk about how good Baker please, Mayfield was? Please, please tell us about yesterday. Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, you know, I, we're buddies now. You know, I, oh, I really? met his wife at the event the other day. We had a nice chat. You know, I gave her all the, the great places on Davis Island to go. So we're like, you know, we're, we're bros now. He's been here five minutes, and I've already had more personal time with him than I have with Brady in three years. Just saying. Thanks for coming out, Baker. Thanks for being out among Gosh. the people and being being one of us, becoming a, a tampon and being <laughs> being one of us and being uh, out there already. In the we appreciate we appreciate that. I'm a that analogy sucks. It's what? like it's like expecting the president of the United States to just mingle with the normal people on a daily basis. Well, the current president currently certainly couldn't do that because he'd be falling all over his Shame on me for using him as the example. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. But, um, no, I like the fact that Baker is is out there. He's out there in the community. He's doing stuff. He's at ball games. He's he's out doing it all. I like it. I think it brings a lot to the team. I think it brings a lot to camaraderie. I think it it rallies the fan base. Oh, and by the way, you know what I love about Baker, too, when he said this yesterday? Throwing three touchdown passes? Sure. He went to that Rangers-Rays game, mm-hmm. and the Rangers are his favorite team. That's okay. But you know what? He wore a Rays hat. There you go. And you want to know why he did that? Because he plays in Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. And you know why I'm saying mm-hmm. that? Because Mr. Golesh went to Yankee Steinbrenner Field to put on his Yankee jersey because that's his favorite team. But you coach a Tampa team. And there you go. And, and you saw Brady at the Rays game with the Rays. No, you didn't. You saw him at the Lightning game with a light. No, you didn't. I, I hate when you do this. No, you didn't. I hate when you do this. I'm just saying. I'm just pointing out the obvious truths he, of what's going on here. He went to Target. <laughs> he did go to Target once. With a mask on. <laughs> now he's out at Disney World. You see yeah, yeah, there you go. He was yeah. at Disney. He was out and about with normal people who all looked like they had no idea who Tom Brady was, by the way. Yeah, still photos. I'm sure. Still that, photos, yeah. but I mean, everybody's just looking around like, away from him and I'm like this guy's literally walking around with like seemingly by himself well who's taking the picture though security probably 
I mean, six, he, at six foot five, you're going to notice him. You, you are, even with sunglasses on. But my my point is, my whole point is, I don't hold Brady to those standards because he's in the elite of the elite tier. Okay, you want to see him? You're going to see him in France at Roland Garros next right. to next to Killian and Mbappe exactly. and Laton and, exactly. and those type of guys. Yeah. Okay, but yes, I do like to see Baker. He's part of the elite. I Baker's do like not Baker's a he's, yes. a he's a blue collar guy. He, he fits in much better with the fabric of our city, I would think. He's an under you know at this point he's an underdog, scrappy, humbled guy. Who's He's trying humbled. to you know, trying to you know resuscitate his career? Trying to get in there and work hard, endear himself to his teammate Moxie. He's got Moxie, according competitive to competitive as hell. Yeah, competitive still with the, what he, he said to Rodrigo. You know, I still, I still don't hate like you. I still yeah. hate you. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Like the competitiveness. And um, he, you know, he ran with the ones yesterday. Had three touchdown passes in the red zone. Looked really good. So, you know, and, and Trask ran with the twos through a couple of picks. Like, it's still underwear football. We get it. But, you know, every day that goes by, these things happen. And especially with Canales being so, so focused in on not turning the ball over. And here you have Trask turning the ball over twice and should have thrown a third, according to the eyes out there. Well, let's keep That's in mind, not, though. I mean, let's you're going to fall mind, behind though. awful quick. Let's keep in mind, though, because they do keep saying that. Whoever, you know, doesn't turn the ball over the most is going to be the quarterback, whatever. Baker has thrown the most interceptions since 2018 with 62. Let's keep that in mind. And he hasn't even played full seasons in two of those. That's right. And he's thrown the most interceptions. So, again, this is where well, it's the, really the hard. The factor there is what? Go ahead. Jameis hasn't been playing. So he's <laughs> okay, true. Jameis is probably top five on that list, though. He would have been leading the league. But unfortunately for you, Baker. Now, on the flip side of that, you know who's number two on that list with uh, 60? Matt Stafford. Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Yeah. Okay, but there's a, difference. Still, yeah. there's a big difference between yeah. those two there's quarterbacks, production, On the production side. But I'm just, I'm just pointing the... that out because that's what makes it so hard to evaluate these quarterbacks right now when they're in underwear because Baker Mayfield, for all we know, could get out there in week one, week two when he's the quarterback and he could have five interceptions for all I know. Right, mm-hmm. I, you just don't know, but you have to go off the track record, and the track record for Baker Mayfield turning the ball over is just not pretty. No, let's let's just be honest about that. No, no. So it's going to be, you know, he's but he's going to be judged on this offense and what he does in this offense, and you know, a, a, a majority of those interceptions came um, when he was hurt and maybe with some poor teams, but whatever. We don't make excuses. We're just zeroing in on what we see him doing here he has been nothing but humble been nothing but really good at practice um his teammates seem to be gravitating to him so i think it's you know it's good stuff it's it's good stuff uh all right trask and mayfield uh is this is this trask we got both quarterbacks talking here yeah all right this is both quarterbacks talking about the unpredictability of the canalis offense i would say it's unpredictable you know you don't know what you're going to get you know, we could come at you a million different ways and then throw it over the top of your head. You just never know. Um, you saw the success they had in Seattle um, with, with that philosophy. And I think, you know, our, you add our weapons into that, we could be very dangerous. Um, so, you know, I'm really excited to see how this plays out in the fall. How would you say it's more unpredictable than, than last year's and the last offense? <laughs> um, you know, I don't want to, like, make any comparisons like that. But I think this offense in itself, um, you know, it can hit you from a lot of different angles, 
And, you know, I think the goal of this off this offense is to keep the defense kind of on their heels and, you know, overthinking things, you know, a lot of motions and shifts and things like that. Um, so, you know, really, I think it's more unpredictable in that sense. Did you have a comment for that? For that question, I, I don't know. I, I know. Hopefully, the, the the person that was asking the question knew that he was asking a question that he knew the answer to, which was, yeah, of course, last year. And of course, you know, Kyle, you know, is is nothing but you know, all these quarterbacks have that this good ones anyway, or good PR ones anyway. You don't want to rip the last offense coordinator you were playing for because you never know when you might be playing for them again or have an opportunity to. So he's not going to down. But of course. Last year's offense was the most predictable offense in the history of NFL football. Correct. It was, it was a joke. So, yes, this is going to be much more un- unpredictable. God, why can't people just say the truth sometimes? Like, yeah, way more unpredictable. Uh, are you, I broke. Oh, you broke? I broke. Yeah. <laughs> He's having a tough time with the I'm fighting. Today. I'm fighting it today. Just sneeze. Just, just make sure you turn your mic on. I did there. I did. Good job. All right, let's listen to some more. You know, I think Baker. we obviously have a lot of potential to be explosive, um, but it's just going to have to be about taking care of the ball. Uh, I think we're going to be able to get in different personnels and get into similar formations and run very different stuff out of those things. And so to me, it's about uh, just staying ahead of the chains and taking care of the ball and good things will happen. I, I think everybody here will, you know, will see the difference in the run game that we'll be able to do. Uh, and that truly is going to establish what this offense is about. And I'm excited about that. And I know that. Yeah, this is what I've been saying a lot, and I think it's going to come to fruition, is um, you know, this this running game last year was a victim of a lot of different things. Number one, an offensive coordinator that wouldn't call the run plays. Uh, number two, an offensive coordinator that did not know how to sequence plays together where the run works off the pass. And that, was a, that was a huge thing with um, you know, when you saw breakdowns from Kurt Warner, and some of the other great analysts in this league, Dan Arlovsky, said the same thing. He says, when you look at the Bucks' offense, no plays lead to the other. There's no sequencing of plays. The run does not set up the pass. The pass does not set up the run. It's just, you know, somebody looking at a play sheet and, and, and pointing a finger at something. And that's, you know, that's why this offense was so predictable all the time. And, and there was no deception to the offense. And that's horrible for offensive linemen. You can't play in the league like that. When guys know when it's pass and when it's run, you're 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 already step a half a step behind, and it, it it was really difficult on them. So I know the offensive line. We've got you know four or five starters in new positions, but I think within this offense, it's much more offensive line friendly, more quarterback friendly, more everybody friendly because it's unpredictable. And one things work off the other, and off and defenses have to sit there and wait to see if it's run or pass, and and you can't just you know jump off the ball knowing it's pass and knowing exactly where the quarterback's going to be. I mean that's so easy for defensive linemen, it makes it really tough for offensive linemen. So I think that's one of the biggest things that's going to help the running game, thus help the quarterback, thus help the entire offense score more points. So that's that's where. Every, everybody benefits from something like this. All right, uh, we'll take another break. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to get into some other uh, NFL stories. There's big drama in Buffalo. Of course, the Bucks will be playing Buffalo this year. Um, USF approves their funding for an on-campus stadium. What's up with that? And uh, the Rays Stadium and the Vegas Stadium. Um, and I hear Shannon Sharp has popped off again. I'll be interested to see what's going oh, on. Oh, no, there. no, no. He, he sounded off for the final time. 
Oh. Yes, Jenner Undisputed, and it was a bit more emotional than you might have thought. Oh. Oh, I'm, I'm intrigued. We'll talk about um, the NBA as well, and we'll relive last night's Vegas domination and kind of look about how the, this Vegas team was built and what it means for the Lightning. Stay with us. This is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just Get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non-invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up. They're going down. They're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients but it's the customer service that sets them apart they can shop all your insurance needs and save you big time money don't hop on the internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice generated robot these are confusing times for homeowners and italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation home auto business life it's italiano for all the pieces of your life Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced 
or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue. That's my carrier. Love them. Paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated. EPI, you've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa. And for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events. The biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events. The Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay, from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions. They are awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, let's rock. This is FanStream Sports with JP. All right, welcome back to uh, the second hour of the JP Peterson Show. We thank you so much for joining us. PGA Pro John Gerber is going to join us. Picked the winner last week at the RBC. He must have had the uh, crystal ball working on the 72-foot eagle putt that uh, Nick Taylor made for his uh, for his PGA win, first Canadian to win the Canadian Open. Now we got the U.S. Open this week at the L.A. Country Club. And, R- 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 and we have a steel cage match going down between Rory and Brooks Kepka on the first team. And I know who I'm taking in that. I don't know. I, I take Rory. You know why? I shot. Why? Because he's more passionate. He's angry. You know what? Brooks has got a fat wallet. He just won the PGA. I'm glad you brought He's that all up. Cocky. But for a different reason, though. Rory would be that little Irish redheaded kid that would just like swinging haymakers and wouldn't stop. And I feel like Kepka like just, just. I feel like Tep just needs one hit. No. One hit, especially he'd, if he gets. The, if he'd he, be overwhelmed. But Kepka, I mean, you've seen Kepka with his. You've seen Kepka with his cocaine eyes. If he puts that on, <laughs> I mean, cocaine. it's it's over. <laughs> It's over. He's going to be climbing up the cage. It's going to be Snooka MSG 1986. I mean, it's going to be all of that if he puts the cocaine eyes on. And Jenna Sims would just be sitting there waiting for the winner to emerge. Correct. And she'll have their – do they have a – I can't even remember. Do they have a kid? I think she may be pregnant now. She's pregnant, right? Yeah. Gotcha. All right, then my thing doesn't apply then. So if if she – if are they married? I don't even know if they're married yet. They are, right? But if he hits another skid, she's gone. <laughs> So much well, better I think when the, he was winning. Well, it's his fault though, because remember he he started. You know when he started playing bad is when he put that blonde streak in his hair. Yeah, that was bad. Remember that? Don't and put the, blonde streaks in your hair. And don't do the new the SI. Didn't he do like the <laughs> the ESPN body? thing? I think so. Yeah, and I don't consider him one of those like big body guys. I feel like he's like not pudgy, but like yeah, you know what I mean. 
I, that, that whole thing was, was weird. I don't know. But I was going to say, though, by the way. something Jenna made him do. I was going to say that you brought it up because Rory's more passionate. Mm-hmm. That's actually why I think Brooks Koepka is going to win this weekend. Because Rory's going to be too into him, <laughs> into his head, his own head. I think everyone on the PGA Tour right now, mm-hmm. I mean, they're all talking about it, and they're all upset. And then I heard Brooks speak yesterday. He has no care in the world. Yeah. I mean, he is so, like, he just seems so free. And he's just like, all right, y'all keep yapping away. Well, I'm going to do my thing. Well, let's run a little bit of that sound. I'll go find it for yeah. you. Yeah. Because, I mean, Rory, the Rory had to dodge the media this week because he didn't want to deal with it. What does that tell you? He's pissed. They're all pissed. <laughs> you see all these memes going around like the L- this is the live golfers walking into the L.A. Country Club this week <laughs> with all their money. <laughs> and, and the PGA Tour players are just like, you mother. Son of a bitch. I mean, think about it. Like, if you're walking in, if you're Brooks Kepka and you're walking into the to the to the players' lounge, you're just like, "What's up, boys? What's up? Hey, what's up, Rory? Is that wallet about two hundred million lighter than it could have been? Should have come on over, bro. Oh my God, two hundred million dollars. I mean, I don't I don't know how that really affects these guys though. I mean, obviously Rory has more money than he'll ever be able to spend in his life. Yeah. Unless he wants to, you know, buy a soccer team or something. You know, it's just like, are you really that pissed? You're you're more pissed at Jay Monahan, which by oh. the way, Jay Monahan, and I, I sincerely hope that he's not. You know. I sincerely hope that he's fine and doesn't have, you know, anything serious going on with him. Hope he didn't have a heart attack or a stroke or something like that. But for for him to not be at the U.S. Open and it's a medical issue, you know, that feels it feels a lot like a cop out. And again, if he's if he's legitimately sick, like you are right now. If he's and if something has happened, I you know I apologize for even insinuating this, but it seems uh, awful convenient that Jay Monahan suddenly had a medical emergency and can't be at the U.S. Open at this particular moment, be in public with all the flack that he's taken, you know. And, and I think when this whole story is done, it's going to be, um, it'll be a very interesting read. I, I can't wait to find out how this you know from the very beginning of Liv Golf or Live Golf to the merger, to everything else, it has been the most tumultuous time for professional golf in its history, obviously. And I just, I want the full story. You know, all the greed, all the deception, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be fun reading because in the end, it's a bunch of millionaires bitching at a bunch of millionaires and billionaires. <laughs> Correct. And Roy, so, by the way, and all these PGA ain't guys nobody, that are ain't so nobody upset. going hungry. And I was saying, and Rory and all these PGA guys are all upset. Didn't they, didn't Monahan not say they were going to be rewarded for their loyalty? Oh, of course they did. And they're going to get what of percentages of certain things now that they didn't yeah. get before. Yeah, it's all going to be fine. Yeah, it's going to be. Get, they'll all get it's their money. Going to be okay. They'll all get their billions and millions. Don't <laughs> but worry I, about it. Nobody's nobody's going. You know, nobody's <laughs> being hurt here. Yeah, that's like when I hear some people get on the golf channel and you know and other other errands. It's like, oh, this is so horrible for these PGA players. Oh my God, look at the money that they turn. I'm like, relax, relax. They still got the private jet. They're fine. They they still they still have every and by the way free golf balls. By the way, I shouldn't I shouldn't feel bad for any of them actually. When I more I think about it, 
Because, they play golf for a living, well, well, first okay, and foremost. Yeah. But here's the thing, too. What do they always preach about? The tradition is the tour, and we love it because you know, we're not, er- we're not yeah. given anything. Yeah. We all have to go earn our paycheck. So if that's what you like, <laughs> Get used to and it. there's a reason why you stayed on the PGA Tour was for that, then how am I supposed to feel sorry for you now? I think in the <laughs> end, what, what, what these guys realize is, Rory and everybody else is... Now, it's just the way that it was done. Well, not only that, but now they get their Saudi money, too. And they, they so they kind of it's it, you look at it from Rory's standpoint because you're right they're going to get their money, they're going to get their money, and now they look like you know they're altruistic and they're the virtuous ones by saying no to the money at first, correct, and and saying you know I'm a PGA Tour the tradition which I appreciated I loved all that and I was with them on that and still am, but they get to hold on to that and still get their money whereas mm. you know Kepka. Boat DeChambeau, Mickelson, I think they'll always be publicly looked at in a little different way. Like, they, they grabbed the money, and they didn't support the PGA Tour. And, I mean, you could look at it a lot of different ways, but I still See, I don't side think, with... See, I don't think Kepka should be faulted for it. I don't. I actually, when he says that, in a way, Live Golf helped me... Of course. Because I was able to rehab more, mm-hmm. and I didn't have to play every single week. Right. And now I'm the player I was again... Again, I understand it, and everybody cuts their own deal. So I don't. There's some guys I, I like shake my head at a little bit because I'm like, don't you want to compete? You know, while you're still like Cam Smith, for example. But then I understand that he's, you know, Greg Norman was probably his idol growing up in right. Australia, right. and exactly. of course Greg was in his ear. Right, and the money doesn't hurt as well, obviously. Right. Of course, but yeah. I would have loved to have seen that guy been on the PGA Tour competing because last year he was what the Player of the Year, mm-hmm. and they lost that guy. Yeah, and I don't feel like he's the same right now. Yeah, he hasn't really been a factor in these majors that I've seen him in right now. Yeah, and and maybe you know because so many people on social media and and at the tournaments have made comments and ripped him and ripped the live golfers and and some of them probably aren't as mentally well. Some of them strong. though, but but then again, you I mean one of them won a major and yeah. in the in the Masters there was three in the top five. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they they have performed well. Let's give them credit there. Well, I'm saying some guys can handle it, some guys can't. Yeah, and it's, it's the guys who have won before are the ones who were handling it right, well. If, you, right. if you're keeping track about it, Phil, Patrick Reed, Brooks Kepka, to the and Dustin Johnson to an extent, obviously, but some of the other guys just aren't. So, but yeah, Brooks too. He ended his press conference yesterday with a nice little line. He was like, "I see y'all at the Travelers next week." What does that mean? I mean, is Brooks Kepka really going to play in the Travelers? Probably not. Have we have we have we figured out the logistics of this? But he said it. He's say, like, he's well, I was like, saying, are they, are they already allowed to come back on the PGA? That's what tour? I'm saying. But that's how he ended his press conference. He's like, I'll see y'all at the Travelers next week. So are they allowed, does this merger allow? I don't. Them I don't know. They're immediately allowed to come back. And he play? could just be, you know, fooling everybody. Obviously, but that's why he ended it, though. Oh wow! Wow. Well, there's still no details on this, like how it's going to work. I don't know. <laughs> like, in, in Monaghan was like, oh, yeah, the, the live golfers will be punished and you'll be rewarded. I'm like, the players haven't agreed to anybody. any of this. Yeah. All right. Let's hear from Brooks. Oh. If we can. Yeah. Here was him. He was asked about the – let's see how he responded to the live questions. He's the, smiling. The questions. See what I mean? He's yeah. so free. Brooks, yeah, just, compared with when you were on your previous major tear, I just wonder, going into the third major of the year, having been runner-up at Augusta, winning at Oak Hill, do you feel fresher because of the, the regime that you're on with Liv compared with how it was on the PGA Tour? I just, I have my own routine. That's it. It's plain and simple. I've, I know, 
I mean, I'm pretty sure I know what it takes to compete in majors. Um, I've won five of them and been, what, second four times and, and just over my track record and how to prepare when you're here, how to prepare when you're home for it. And um, I've got that, I guess, unlocked. So it's no different playing a live schedule going into these majors? Just golf, man. Brooks, at what point in your career did you decide that majors were the thing for you? Mm. Is that one I don't know, probably growing up, right? Because at the end of the day, I think the one thing that was always kind of harped on me was you knew how many majors Jack, you knew how many Tiger has, you knew how many Arnold Palmer has, you knew how many Gary Player, you knew how many Watson, all these legends, but I never knew how many PGA Tour events or wins they had total. But I could tell you each going down the list how many each of them have won. So that was kind of, I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? That's that's what you're judged on. It's major championships. You look at basketball. Um, you judge on how many championships you've won, not how many how many games you won. Um, same thing in every sport. He's got a point there. He's got a point there. He made great points all around there. Yeah, it's just golf. That's what I'm saying. Like he to me is just like yeah. I let this other all this other noise going on. I'll let everybody else get all worked up about it. I'm just right. gonna play golf. He's gonna play golf because he's concerned. I mean, I love how he pointed that out there. Like you know, he went down the list of all the guys who remembered, and now when they show these graphics, Brooks Kepka's name is in these graphics now. Yeah. He's yeah. one away from tying Phil. If we, if, I mean, think about the, significant of, the significance of that. He's one away from tying Phil for majors. And, and, and the fact is, what he didn't say there is the more important thing to me, because that question was set up for him to rip the PGA right. Tour. You know, like, well, if I was on the PGA <laughs> Tour, I'd have to play every week or every other week, and I wouldn't be able to rehab my knee. So being a live golfer, it was easier for me to, you know, he could have done that. Mm-hmm. But he didn't do that, which was smart, which is smart. He's just like, it's just golf. I'm not, these the questions are, are, are designed to be divisive and pit one against the other. And he, he didn't take the bait. So that was smart. And I think that, I think the players in general want to come together. Because, I mean, they, I, mean I think when they all get into a room, they're going to be like, look, man, it's all about just making the most money. And yeah. now we got the private uh, the equity fund. We got the Saudi money. All you guys are going to get some of that money. And, and, you know, we've already got it. You're going to get your piece, too. Everybody's going to get more money. We're going to have less tournaments to play. And it's all because Live Golf forced all this on the PGA Tour. And that's the truth. That's the truth. Um, you know, obviously, the PGA Tour has other things when you're trying to grow the game. And, you know, you can't have, you know, just superstars playing every week. You have to have the full tour, right? And that's what they do. They produce these stars. They have the infrastructure. They have the ground um, uh, structure, so to speak, to to so that these other players be, can become stars, and you have to protect that, and that costs money. And like you know, these second, I, I call them the second tier events, like the Valspar. They're not the elevated events. Not they're not majors. You know, those are the ones that are going to be most affected by this, unfortunately. And we don't know how they're going to be affected. Um, you know, if it's like last year, it wasn't an elevated event, but they had huge crowds out there at the Valspar. They had a great field. It was tremendous. Still had Jordan Speed. Still had a lot of great players out there, um, and I think that will continue just because of the golf course and the way they, the way Tracy uh, and Rick Odioso and all the groups of Aspar folks run that tournament. They players love playing in that tournament. So, I, it, it, but it'll still be affected. Don't get me wrong. And we still don't know what the new schedule is going to look like or any of that stuff. So, um, you know, I'm a little bit afraid for what might happen, but we'll see. 
We'll see. But the bottom line is, this is great for all the players. They're going to, in terms of money, if that's what you care about, you're all going to get a big old chunk of that that dirty Saudi money, that dirty Saudi money that you're going to put in your pocket. Shall we get into? Yes. Shall we transition to what we saw last night? Uh, yes, let's do that. Oh, wait, a, a, a couple of comments. A couple of comments here. first. Yeah. Um, the 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 uh, this first one from from is this this is this or Nick is this Nick here? That's you, Nick. Well, you have a microphone too. You can jump on the show anytime you want. Uh, JP to Baker. Did we just become best friends? Oh, I think we did. We had a moment. No, hit it off. Yeah. Yeah, he might be mad at me though, because his wife was, you know, we had a nice conversation too. I don't know how territorial. <laughs> Just kidding, my God! I told her we'd have coffee. Um, I was saying the other day, uh, really like that Baker has been doing things outside of football with his teammates. Yeah, me too. And that's not, you know, that's a big thing. That's building right, well, a rapport. I'll read. I'll read Lonnie's comment before I respond. I'm kind of on JP with this. I'm tired of athletes blowing off fans and not being involved a little bit. There we go. Just a little bit with the city. A little bit goes a long way. Look at Brett Phillips. There you go. There you go. I, I don't understand why I have to even make this point, but if you can't understand the difference between a Tom Brady, a LeBron, a Jordan, name any big-time athlete you want, walking around and interacting with people, and Brett Phillips doing the same thing, come on. It's to me we're we're apples and oranging this to death. <clears throat> what big time athlete? Who is the biggest athlete in their respective sport that you can think of that honestly mingled and went out and did all those things in their city? Well, I'm just talking about the athletes that we've had here. You know, all the Buccaneer athletes, the the Saps, the Derek Brooks, the Rondes, the Lynches. All those guys were big parts of the community. Okay, but I'm always not, They're not in Tom Brady's row. No, I'm, that's, not. that's my I point. Agree, the agree, ones who are I in agree. the elite of the elite. Um, I mean, we, never, we haven't had any. But I mean, just in general, all throughout Brady's sports, I first, can't find one. He, Brady's <laughs> the first one in that category that we've ever had here. That being said, I think, I think you could do a lot more than he did. I think you could do a lot more than he did. Um, I'm not saying that you got to go out and do it, you know, be at every game like Baker's been. To give, I'll give, Rod, I'll give, I'll throw Aaron Rodgers as a good example, I guess, because I don't think he's in that tier, but he's in the one right below it. He's been at, he was at all the playoff games for the yeah. Knicks and the Rangers, and yeah, I applaud that Taylor yeah. Swift concert and all yeah. that kind of stuff. He's he's, out, he's and about out and about in New York, obviously. I mean, no, <clears throat> for I mean, Stephen Stamkos is a, as big as it gets around here. He's he's always out and about. Yeah, I mean, but I, I think hockey's a different. It's a little bit of a different. He's he's not Tom Brady. I'm not saying that he is, but yeah, I I just like I like that Baker Mayfield's doing it. Let's it's good to it see. Way. It is yeah. good to see. Yeah, and I and I've seen Trask at you know Soho before. Yeah, if that counts, <laughs> he's always out. Trask needs a carton of cancer sticks to roughen up that <laughs> voice. Sounds like he's been drinking Bud Light. Just kidding, <laughs> GP. Listen, this is a safe zone for jokes. The J.P. Peterson said, we're not, we're, not, we're, we're not crazy here. You have a safe zone for jokes. You want to make a joke like that, that's fine. That's fine. We're not going to cancel you. Okay? So that's fine, Richie. This is a safe place to, to make jokes because you can't. Yeah, you're fine. Um, all right, let's get into USF. So UF, USF um, is formally approved now for the stadium. I, I kind of gave that stamp of approval when they gave the $22 million. For the you know, because once you spend twenty two million on 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 the uh, plans for the 
particular stadium, you probably shouldn't drop it at that point. Uh, so they went and, and they're going to they appro- approve the debt uh, to borrow for uh, two hundred million on what uh, the three hundred forty million dollar cost on this. Uh, they're expecting, I think, that, that that's about a seventeen million dollar debt service a year, and they believe that their revenues will will cover that uh, or at least come very close to it. So, and, and remember, folks, these schools have you know hundreds of millions of dollars in their endowment. You know, the, the, I see these articles. You know, oh my God, we can't pay this debt service. We might we might come up two million dollars short. You know, one year for the debt service on it, <laughs> they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. They'll be fine. Not to mention the incredibly bloated budgets that these colleges have. Are you kidding me? I think they'd be able to find the money. Maybe take about 150 <laughs> of those professors that don't even teach anymore and are tenured and have all these, you know, it's not just USF. It's everywhere in the college system. I mean, you want to talk about a racket. They can afford to build a stadium. It's not going to affect the, you know, the, the sociology department or the science department. And I know I've you know I've heard these people say, "Oh, we've, our buildings are in disrepair." I mean, blah 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 blah. blah. I mean, blah. seriously, I've been on that <laughs> campus. It's a beautiful campus, beautiful new buildings everywhere. Is it perfect? Are some things a little worn? Maybe you'll get by. You'll get by. I don't think you're going to be overrun by roaches or or the air conditioning's not working. I think you're going to be fine with your cushy six-figure salary for not even teaching classes. You'll be fine. How about this? Get real, people. When we think of colleges and we think of universities, we think football. Yeah. Yes. Let's get real here. Yeah. Nobody gives a damn about the academics. Let's just be completely frank about that. Nobody cares about the academics, that all the prestigiousness that USF has has as an academic program. Now, let me point that out. I do say that, but and there was a, there was an article here written in the Times uh, this morning by Matt Baker and about conference realignment and how this helps. And I Michael Kelly said it in this in this uh, in this article. I 100% agree. You want USF to be a major player in college football again? You want them? You want to see them in a nice shiny conference one day and not get left behind like they already have? This stadium had to happen. It just did. It doesn't matter what the risk is or the price tag. And as Michael Kelly said, or Weatherford, I believe, said this yesterday, it's more of a risk if you don't build the stadium. Absolutely. And I would, I would submit to you that the reason, the main reason that UCF passed USF was because they built an on-campus stadium and created an they on-campus had, They atmosphere. had success at the right time. And That's a key part of right it. Time. Right but, now, USF has neither. Right. And you have to set yourself up for the future. And right now... The only thing USF is able to do at the moment is they have to dominate the American. But back to the stadium, did UCF have great success when they were playing in Camping World Stadium? Mm, no, not to this degree, obviously. Yeah. But they obviously they didn't win a national. But they were also playing in <laughs> they were also playing in Conference USA. Right. But it helped obviously make them a desirable uh, to the AAC when they made that conference. I'm just here to tell you that. And they had all the pieces in play to go to the Big 12. to get to a major conference if you don't have an on-campus stadium and all the revenue and that you control that stadium yes. because the conference wants you to be able to control it so they can bring events yes. in there. And, and to the note about the, the academics, I said they don't matter, but they do matter a little bit here. Is, you know, they became an AAU university, right? And I, I think it was written here, there's only 71 institutions in the country that apply there. And that is seen as a prerequisite to be considered for the Big Ten right. more often than not. <clears throat> Am I saying USF is going to be in the Big Ten? Uh, 
probably I don't know about that one. That's a, that's a pretty big steep climb. That could happen. But they already knocked that one out. That prerequisite. Now you just have this is the thing. They have to go hand in hand. You got the stadium finance now. It seems like we're all good to go. Let's get shovels in the ground. Let's get this thing going in 2026. But you also have to be very successful on the field. You can have the stadium and the market and all that, but I think you would agree, more mm-hmm. often than not, you need to have the success to follow it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if you're not winning games, you're not getting in. Because you can't, you can't I look, be one in I look have, at it, have uh, you know, uh, the big, big Twelve and Big Ten. I don't care how big your television I, I look, market is. I look at their main, watching. their main competitor right now in the AAC. I look at for future expansion and. I'm putting Memphis aside because I think Memphis eventually is going to be... I think they're in the next round of the Big 12, potentially. I think Memphis, I could see that, especially with what they're building over there. Mm-hmm. I think they got a new stadium coming down the pike. I think so, yeah. But I think FAU... Yeah. I think... Throw UCF out the window. They're not playing anymore. The war on I-4 is dead, essentially, at the moment. I think FAU and USF is now the new going at it right now. Yeah. I truly believe that. FAU has a nice campus down there in Boca. Mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty good market, I want to say. It's obviously close to the South Florida. You get the the you basketball know. just put them on the map, obviously, to the entire country. And Lane put them on the map. Lane and Tom Herman, and Tom Herman was a big-time coach at Houston. He was at Texas. The standard. I thought he did an okay job at Texas. Just the standards are crazy high there, right, and that's right. why he got fired. The expectations are. I could see that guy turning FAU into a dominant force in the uh, current American. I think that's where USF has to worry about right now. Is now you don't want to get lapped by FAU. Well, and that's the thing. When when we went through the hiring thing, we were you know we were all fixated on on Dion, and you know that whole USF. They're getting their new stadium. They got and they they hired a coach in in. in Alex Gullish. 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 And they didn't hire Dion, and they didn't hire Tom Herman. Like, if you're looking at who got the best hire, FAU or USF. I would say theirs is more of a safer hire at this moment. Yeah. Because I've seen Tom Herman. I've seen Tom Herman dominate this conference when it was at its peak. Yeah. So, you know. Alex has got a, a, a tough road ahead. He does. And but that hire is you know, that that could be the difference between FAU and USF. So Alex has got you know, he's he's gotta get on it. He's gotta they've gotta win. They gotta cause they're gonna win at FAU. He's gonna get players. I think so. He's gonna get players because of his relationship at these other schools. His he's got a bigger name, FAU, you know, I you know, it's get the Boca thing it's and good the market. palm trees, it's good market. Yeah, they and they had their own own stadium on campus. Yeah, it's not it's not a bad stadium by no, any it's means. That's not, not a great stadium. It's a rector set stadium, but it is it's, what it it's, is. It's there. It's that, but it's on campus. It and is. They fill it up <laughs> from time to time. So yeah, I would agree with that. All right, a quick break. When we come back, John Gerber's going to join us. Get your get your popcorn and your pens ready to uh, write down his picks. He nailed the winner last week at sixty six to one. So what's he got in store for this week's U.S. Open? We'll talk a little golf when we come back. Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. 
When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. Pure, pure sports. JP is back on. Welcome back. Fan Stream Sports. All right, welcome back to the JP Peterson Show, brought to you by the great folks at American Mortgage Services. Rates are up, rates are down. Craziness going on in the uh, home financing game, but Scott Fitzgerald is your man. He will find the lowest rates, have the lowest fees, and creatively work with you and your finances to make sure you're paying the least amount for your home. Uh, so use this experience to your benefit. Just email him, scott at amstampa.com, scott at amstampa.com, and have a conversation. It's a free conversation. You can look at your entire finances and say, you know, you might have to pay, you know, 5.5 interest here, but we could save you money here on your payment, save your money here on your payment, so he can get everything down um, to the lowest level. So have a conversation. Find out what the numbers look like. See what you can afford with these new interest rates and get out there and buy that home. Scott at amstampa.com. All right, well, welcome in our good friend John Gerber, PGA Pro. John Gerber, what's up, my friend? How are you? Good morning, fellas. Happy uh, Happy U.S. Open week, right? It's a pretty yeah. exciting week for golf. Well, yeah, pretty exciting week for you last week as you uh, got the winner with uh, Nick Taylor, the 72-foot eagle putt on 18. So that's got to be a nice feeling when you see that putt drop in a playoff and you uh, become a winner like that, huh? Yeah, how about that? You know, it was one of those things that looked like there's so many playoff holes. It was almost like who wanted to win, right? right. Something like that happened in the odds there that, you know, not having a Canadian winner in almost 70 years. But, you know, he, he had been playing well for a while. But uh, we also had a winner um, with Justin Rose to finish in the top 10. So we cashed in on that also. So that nice. kind of got us over. We're kind of playing around with the with our number. We were just a little bit on the positive side. But that got us to uh, plus 7,035 units Ooh. or dollars profit for the year. And then we did well. We're, we're doing well on our matchup more so than anything else. We're 58, 17, and 5 on our matchups of the oh, year. So, you know, that's like we said it to be. Yeah, that's like what we said at the beginning of the year. You know, it's, there's going to be some ups and downs. So 
you just got to play the system every week, and it just goes to show, like what happened last week. If you continue to do it, you'll make some money. You finally cash in. Yeah, you get to, it's, it's it's a long play. It's a long season, but uh, you've been good at this, and uh, people can make some money on it. So get on it. Uh, all right. So yep. let's talk about uh, first before we get into this week's U.S. Open. I got to get your take on what the hell happened last week with this merger. Um, I know it's a long conversation, but just you know, give me your your, your overall thoughts on first. Um, why did it happen? Uh, my, my thought is the PGA Tour knew they were going to lose in court and didn't want to fight a battle where they had to pay $100 million in legal fees just to lose. And I think Monaghan took the best deal he could get, and I think it was a stroke of genius for him to go in there and talk to the, the, the Sheik and kind of freeze out Greg Norman because that's how they got the deal done, right? Yeah, you're, you're 100% up spot on when it comes to those two points for sure i think for sure i think there's a point that people aren't really uh, that haven't really thought about and a little bit of my perspective is you're right i think they they knew they weren't going to win in court and they certainly didn't want to drag it on in court and brooks kepka winning the pga championship really didn't help their cause in court because one of their battles was you know you're not really kind of bringing the game together you're kind of you're separating it but if you look at the ratings for the PGA Championship, it was the highest-rated PGA Championship in over 20 years. So, you know, they were going to lose that kind of argument a little bit, but I'll, I'll go to say it really wasn't because of Berskepka. I think it was because of um, Michael Block, you know, all these people watching in the ratings. So that was a little bit of smoke and mirrors. But when it comes to the merger, I, you know, there was something that was going to be leaked that somebody knew uh, before, so I think the PGA Tour and this merger, I think they were trying to get ahead of it, and it was just strange for all the players. All the players that I talked to, they were just upset in how they heard about it. They were blindsided because right. all this whole year, for a whole year, you want us to kind of unite and you want to ask our opinions about all this stuff, and then when you make a big decision like this, you don't ask any of our opinions. It was they're more they're more pissed off at Jay Monahan uh, than they are the players. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would I would think that Jay Monahan, you know, and suddenly he's has a health issue. I hope he's okay, but I I have a little bit of a, a, a doubt. Timing's a little off there, right? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I hope he's okay. I mean, you know, you don't want to wish that on anybody, but it seems a little bit mm-hmm. convenient convenient after all this was going on that he uh, he's suddenly not feeling well. But you know, like I said, it, there's there's a lot more that needs to come out. I think yeah. there's a lot. You know, the players are talking about compensation. How's that going to work? But um, you know, I agree with them to a point, but you know, they were already really compensated a little bit with these elevated field events. Of course, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. they were playing for more money than any than than they ever have. I mean, the the PIP, the PIP money that they were getting for the social media stuff, yep. they actually moved that down the board in terms of players or more players were getting paid more money. So, you know, the general public look at it and the players talk about it, but they're only talking about the higher end players. I'm more concerned about what what's going to happen to the you know, kind of the journeyman players that, yeah. that maybe not going to get in some of these events now because some of these LIB players are coming back. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's the lower-level players and the lower-level tournaments that are going to be hurt by this, um, yep. which it may be the Valspar here. I don't know. I, I think it's a big enough tournament that they'll, you know, they'll, they'll survive. Um, I think there's probably, what, three tiers of events or maybe four tiers of events. You got your majors, then you got your elevated, then you have your high tier, your next tier events, which I would put um, Valspar into it, and then you got kind of you know the fall events that uh, that that are maybe at the bottom tier. So those will, I think, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to those, 
But do you under do you think any do you know any details on what it's going to look like? If you talk to any players, like what the schedule is going to look like, um, how it's all going to be? Affected? Yeah, I, I have talked to a lot of players, and they don't know either. And that's yeah. the kind of the that's the kind of difficult part. They don't know either. They don't even know if the elevated field field events are going to continue either. They might just continue to add more money to all the tournaments. Uh, so the Valspar might get a hit. It might not go to twenty million. So they're, like I said, the players don't even know, and that's kind of the frustrating part with those guys is like, well, we're we don't know anything, you know, we don't know anything more than the general public knows. So, like I said, that's the tough thing. But I promise you this: one of the deals in the the merger, and there's four four big players that's really going to head this thing up: Jay Monahan, Jimmy Dunn, um, Sahir, the management fund, and one other guy. I don't really know who he is. But Greg Norman's not going to be a part of this. I promise you that. And that was one of the yeah. that was one of the That's things that the they though. made sure of. Yeah. Yes, John Gerber, yeah, PGA sure. Pro, joining us here. Um, <laughs> another thing I think is interesting, and I heard this from a, a PGA Tour player who's very well connected. There's talk out there that Tiger, Elon Musk, and Michael Jordan are putting together some type of golf company. That may be, you know, they're talking about this for-profit company that's going to emerge from this merger. And I know that Tiger, Tiger and Rory are already in a deal, right? There's some, what, yeah. what, what is the, is that something that is, is out there? Have you heard anything about this? I haven't, you know, they have that TGR that's coming out, that right, uh, right. two-person kind of simulated league that they're going to have. But that's not really going to be any combination with this PGA Tour or DP World Tour or this merger. But, you know, it wouldn't really surprise me if an entity like that kind of came, came together. Um, right. I'm really surprised that we haven't heard from Tiger yet, right? Well, I mean, we why. heard from Rory. Yeah, that's um, why I, you know, everybody's Tiger's, like, you haven't heard anything from Tiger because he's got this thing cooking. Yeah, right. So that, you know, if, if you believe in the conspiracy theory, yeah. that may be something. I mean, Tiger's still, I don't want to use a, a, a bad pun, but he's kind of still in the bushes when it comes to this stuff, man. So, yeah. No, he, um, he's not. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, it, 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 it's interesting, man, how, how a lot of these things, now that the PGA Tour, they continue to say that they're going to be for nonprofit. But, you know, to be honest with you, I think this is one of the things that why this merger happened because there was probably some things going to come out in court yeah. that they didn't want to come out. And uh, I think that's why this thing happened fast. Um, they didn't want to get exposed. So, you know, like I said, there's just so much, so many things that still needs to be unraveled. And I'm pretty sure we're really not going to know the true facts of why. They're going to kind of brush this under, and they just want everybody to kind of move forward with the new kind of structure of the PGA and DP <laughs> World Tour. So the not-for-profit company maybe was making a little bit of profit. I don't know. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah, know how you're a yeah. not-for-profit company when you have a hundred million dollars in reserves. <laughs> right. Well, you know, you know, when they say non-for-profit, right? So Jay Monahan can pay himself whatever he right. wants to make sure that the business breaks even. Well, the players aren't going to go for that when you're saying, okay, well, why, why aren't we paying for this amount of money? Oh, God, so you know, uh, like I said, yeah, yeah, I, I'm more concerned, and the players are more concerned that they just felt like that they just kind of got stabbed in the back by Jay. Uh, more than anything else, and you could see the frustration from some of these guys, especially Rory. I feel bad for Rory. Yeah. I mean, he was kind of the, the sacrificial lamb and the yeah. scapegoat of all this. As much as they asked him to kind of be the, the face of this, you know, to go against the live tour, and then now you don't even, you know, Jimmy Dunn calls him an hour before the announcement, and he's like, I thought he handled it pretty damn well. I'd, I'd, I probably wouldn't have handled it nearly that good. Yeah. I, I think, and I said this a little bit earlier, John, 
Roy doesn't have any egg on his face, and none of these players that stood up and said what they said have any egg on their face, in my opinion. They still uh, have the moral high ground, in my opinion, and will always have it. But now they're also going to get some of that dirty Saudi money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'm yeah pretty, right, right. I'm pretty sure they're not going to leave I, the tour. So, And I heard you made a comment earlier, and it was a really good point, and you started talking about Brooks Kepka. Well, you know, the players don't really have any issue with the other players going. You know, they, you know, in the, the whole adage of, you know, athletes don't talk about other athletes, family or money, right? So right. they weren't really upset about that. They were just upset of, you know, <clears throat> those guys trying to come back in the lawsuit, right? The lawsuit was the big deal with the players against the players. Now, Kepka wasn't a part of that lawsuit. Right. So him and Rory playing tomorrow is not going to be a big, big issue. They actually played a practice round in the PGA championship together. So they're, they're fine. But here, I firmly believe if Brooks Kepka didn't get hurt, and didn't really know where his career was going, I don't think he would have joined LIV. I don't, because he he, he focuses so hardly on the majors yeah. and really wants to support that. And, and for him to go over there, you know, I, I just think that it would prepare him a little bit more for the majors, um, and that's really all he cares about. So I do. I, I think if Kepke didn't get hurt and really didn't know where his career was, I don't think he would have went over there and took that money. Interesting. John Gerber, PGA Pro, joining us here. All right, let's get to your picks for this week, the Los uh, Angeles Country Club. Uh, this is not Riviera. This is the Los Angeles Country Club. It's a different venue. Um, I don't know much about it, to be honest with you, but uh, I know it's going to be set up hard because it's the U.S. Open, and the cream of the crop usually rises to the top in these situations. So I guess the, the usual suspects, or do you have any long-shot guys that you like? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you know, the cool part about this, <clears throat> there's not a lot of people really know about this golf course. No. They kind of kept it private, and they, they've, they've been offered so many events to have events, and they really haven't. Their last big event they had was in uh, 2019. They had a, a Walker Cup there. So there was a few players that was playing it, and then they had a, uh, a Pac-12 championship there, I believe, in 2010. So some of these guys have seen it. But it's not nearly going to play like it's going to play for the U.S. Open. So it's one of those weird golf courses. You know, you have bent greens out there, but you have you have Bermuda rough. So and then you have some of the fescue that's kind of winding in there. So you're not going to see the traditional U.S. Open with the high bluegrass like you saw last year. So it's going to be somewhat playable, but the greens are really going to be the, the deciding factor, and that's kind of how I looked at my card. Um, when it comes to that. So our first pick on the board this week is Patrick Cantley at 16-1. to 1. He currently holds the course record there in a tournament golf course setting. So I really like him. I picked him at the very beginning of the year. I think this golf course is set up great for him. He's played it more than anyone that's playing in the tournament. Okay. So that's surely going to help him around the green. So I like him at 16-1. to 1. Uh, Second pick, Carroll Hatton at 28-1. to 1. Um, If he doesn't break all his golf clubs as well as he's playing, <laughs> He's going to have a good shot to win. Um, I like the way he played last week. He can go low, but he also showed a little bit of patience that, that you normally don't see from Hatton. And it might come into effect this week uh, at, at L.A. Country Club because the place is pretty quirky. So he quirky like he is. So you might be a great fit with uh, Terrell Hatton. But okay. third pick on the board, I like Cam Smith at 28-1. to 1. If you look at a guy like Cam Smith, He's one of the best putters on the PGA Tour. Yeah. And this golf course is a little bit like uh, Melbourne Country Club. It's one of those old-school kind of Australian-type golf courses that you see a lot of fescue, mm-hmm. you see a lot of really cool bunkering, and you see a lot of runout. So you look at a guy like Cam Smith who puts the ball awful well, I think he's going to have an opportunity to uh, to fare well. Um, our ham sandwich pick this week, Denny McCarthy at 110-1. to 1. 
hundred and ten to one for the best putter in the planet on the planet, <laughs> I think there's really good value, especially he finished tenth last year in the US Open at Brookline. He lost in the playoff at Murfield in in similar conditions. The greens are going to be running about the same speed. The rough is going to be about the same height, and the fairways are going to be about the you know the same speed. And very difficult place that he played well at Mem- at Memorial. So look for him. I thought he was great value with our ham sandwich. Might get two in, two two in a row back to back at one ten. Two top tens. We have Justin Rose at plus five fifty coming into some really good form. Uh, Cam Davis at plus nine hundred. Again, another Australian guy that's played this type of golf course a lot in Australia. Uh, so I like him to perform well. Two top twenties. Ricky Fowler at two eighty, and Adam Scott, another Australian at plus three thirty. Adam Scott, huh? He's he's plays these tough golf courses very well. So, yeah, like yes, he does. And a cool cool fact that we had um, the last two weeks, we've had all eight guys on our picks make the cut. So even with our winning last week, we had Colin Morikawa to win the tournament last or two weeks ago at the Memorial. I call him Coward Morikawa now because he withdrew and he didn't look like he was very hurt at the Memorial, uh, especially when he was sitting there two shots back and I had him at thirty-five to one Memorial. So he's jerk. he's about he's due to about making that list because I'm not real happy with him, but he's not on our card this week. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, partner. Always great to chat with you uh, when it comes to U.S. Open. We'll uh, tweet out. Uh, retweet your your player card a little bit later on so if you didn't write them down you'll you'll see it on our twitter so all right partner appreciate you glad you're feeling better and um, got through all that stuff so we'll have you on next week with another winner thanks pal i, I appreciate it buddy have a great week thanks. buddy. thank you john gerber right there and a winner last week he's got some good he always has great reasons for his picks so it's good stuff that's like next level stuff like yeah. breeding like the the grass and all that and being able to know that this is the same type of course that they have like in Australia, right? And picking an Australian is one of your top favorites. He's smart. That next way. level stuff, right it's there. Next level uh, uh, j- wagering. Just went ahead and retweeted his picks on the show account, so lock him in. Beautiful. What do you say? Plus seven thousand. Yeah. Also, you can hear uh, John and all the guys on the From the Rough uh, podcast on <laughs> DSPMediaOnline.com. Uh, that's our partner website, FanStreamSports.com. You can find the From the Rough podcast there. Also on YouTube. Go to DSP Media Online, and you will find that uh, that great show there from the rough. If you want more golf talk, you, you'll you'll hear even more from John how he breaks it all down. Yep. All right. Well, we got about seven minutes here. Okay. We haven't jumped into the the bludgeoning last night on the NHL Finals Game Five. That was a suffocating performance by Vegas, and not only because of the way they play. But the crowd, everything, you just felt like, it's just like if, of course, the Panthers didn't have Matthew Kachuk, who's there, you know, he's the guy that tilts the ice the other Which, way when, when the other team by is the way, pressing. Mad respect, playing through a broken sternum? Yeah. Holy sh... Yeah. yeah. I hate to compare the NHL to the NBA again when it comes to these things. Or, but, or baseball. <clears throat> yeah, or baseball, but my goodness, what these guys played through. It's insane. I mean, they, it's I think, really insane. I think uh, Bucci said that... Uh, his brother had to help him get out of bed before game four. Like, it was that bad. Oh, can you imagine? Like, a broken sternum. Like, you can't move your body without your sternum. Like, it's not like you can limp it off or something like that. No, like, and I don't, know if there's a, I don't know if there's a shot you can take to get that one, that pain to go no, away. No, And then, you know, if you have a broken rib, it's so painful because you just, everywhere you, it just hurts. Yep. You stir, I can't even that imagine. physical brand, I guess, caught like up in some point. having open heart surgery. <laughs> Maybe not. Open heart surgery, but it's that's crazy. <clears throat> yeah, that's crazy. So anyway, and, and Vegas, boy, I tell you what, 
you look at the way they built their team and, you know, the expansion draft, they took the Riley Smith contract so they could take uh, Marchessault and then Marchessault, former Lightning player, becomes the consummate winner that? with 11 goals in 11 games um, at one stretch, 25 points total in the playoffs. He was fantastic. And Mark Stone with the with a hat trick last night, the first one in the in the Stanley Cup clincher since 1922. And the uh, – I wrote this down somewhere. He's looking for the hat trick number? Yeah. First hat trick since, I believe, 96, I want to say. In not the, not in the final, no. The, 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 in the winning game? Yeah. Since 1922. Oh, babe, 22. Babe Die for the Toronto St. Patrick's. Oh. Babe Die. The old Babe Die. Oh. Oh, I know Babe. Yeah, the Babe. Damn, Babes were dominating back in the, the, the 1920s. Yeah, he was the Babe. So, yeah, I mean, it's just <clears throat> Vegas was, and they're so big defensively. Yeah. They're so deep. They go four lines deep. Then you add Bruce Cassidy and his structure and his the way he, you know, just demands that structure and that defensive first type thing. It was, you know, we were talking about, wow, Boston made a great move, you know, they, they to win the, the greatest regular season ever. And then Cassidy comes in here, the former Boston coach, by the way, who was sacked for being a great coach. I, I love um, I loved how I love how poetic that is because yeah, it's really poetic. then then the uh, uh, oh my goodness. Boston goes and has the president's trophy like you right, said. Yeah. They get eliminated in the first round by the Panthers who lose in the Stanley Cup final to Bruce Cassidy's team. Right, right. It's so poetic. Yeah. I absolutely love a storyline like that. And <clears throat> I tell you what you know I looked at Vegas and I knew they had so much depth, but whenever I saw I was watching I, I love by the way how they handle everything, like, you get to see everybody hold that cup up. Yeah. They don't pan away. They don't go to a different station. Like, I was, like, watching the athletic training staff carry the cup. I don't know why, but, I mean, I was just watching, and I love how they do that. But I'm seeing all the different players come through, and I'm seeing them all the back of the names, and I'm going, man, this team was loaded. Loaded. Loaded, loaded with, with a lot of guys, But a lot of experience, too. A lot guys of that have won the cup, you know? And it just goes to show you that the regular season and the – postseason are just completely two different Correct. sports they just are and, and, but even then though they were the number one team in the west yeah. i mean this, if you think about it the way they played this postseason the way they played in the regular season this is almost very contrast to what we saw with denver yeah. and the nba it was wire to wire the best team at least in the west got it done and in the same case in vegas and i think florida they, they just ran out of gas yeah. i think they ran out of gas health at the injuries at the worst time and Bob became Bob. Well, and that's the other thing. What about Aiden Hill? He was their fifth stringer to start the season. Do we, you know, when we went into this saying, look, we still have the best goalie in the game in Andre Vasilevsky. So, you know, we're going to be good and go deep into the playoffs as long as Andre Vasilevsky is the goalie. And you're like, well, maybe defensive structure and people in front of you are just as important as the guy behind you. Although he made some incredible saves last night. I mean, ridiculous. He, the saves. confidence he was—that's yeah. the hardest thing. It does, a goalie that has that much confidence is the most dangerous thing. I mean, yeah. Bennington did the same thing in 2019 where he came out of nowhere. He had so much confidence, and Boston just had no answer for him in 2019. Same thing with Aiden Hill. Like, I don't know if Aiden Hill's going to end up being a great pro. For the rest of his career, I just don't he know. Paid. He's going to get paid like it, but Bennington, it didn't work out there, and now he's a headache for St. Louis they have right. to deal with. So I don't know what's going to happen for Adam Hill, but you can't take this moment away from him, though. Mm-mm. You can't take the moment, and just when he got the cup, I mean, he got the loudest reaction from that crowd last night, which we give the Vegas, I feel like we all point, we, we point a little bit at the Vegas, the market, and the crowd. I mean, they, I thought they showed up big time last well, they night. they did. It was fantastic. And the scene outside. Wow. <clears throat> Crazy. The scene outside was insane. Like, how, how many people was that outside? 
20,000, 30,000, 40,000? That looked like 30,000, 40,000 at least out there. a lot of people. It's a lot of people. You know, and how hot it is out there. That's what I'm saying. Like they had to, they had to play that game at 5 o'clock last night in Vegas. So we give Vegas flack, but they clearly hockey looks like, is hockey more of the, the big thing in town more than the Raiders are? Is that possible? I think because they were first. They were first. They yeah. were first, and I think you know they've they they have got an organic thing going there. Mm-hmm. Like the people of Vegas are just all in with this with this team, and 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 they still kept a good nucleus. Like the, I love how they did too. Like like uh, you know Stone got to skate around with the cup first because he's the captain and all that, but then he handed it off to all the original. What do they call them? The Misfits? Yeah. They, yeah. Call, them, they call them like the Misfits, I think. And it was March or so, and Riley Smith and McNabb and. William Carrier, like they had like Carlson. S- Carlson, they had like seven players still that they had here from the original nucleus. Yeah, that were you on see this Carlson team. Carlson put his little baby in there. In the I cup. did, yeah. <laughs> He's like little tiny, like just born baby, was in the cup. I was like, oh, I'll be drinking out of that later. So <laughs> make sure that diaper's pretty tight uh, on that kid. It'd be the first. Would it might probably be the first dump taken in the. In the <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, nothing about that Stanley Speaking Cup. Speaking of Patty Maroon, sanitary. He went by. <laughs> The lightning camp today to say hello to the kids. That was pretty cool that he did that. Oh, good to see for Pat. Yeah, of course. Um, all right. Uh, did we miss any 